There's not too many times in our lives where we reach a, a point where it's time to fight. I think a lot of times as believers, in a good way, we tend to be passive. In a good way, we tend to be, be peaceful, but yet we find ourselves in a spiritual battle, and there is a biblical exhortation to fight. God is calling us to fight. We ended the message this weekend with that challenge, it's time to fight, especially this spiritual battle. We look at the life of Christ, this 40 days where he is in the wilderness and he's tempted, he resisted the enemy and the enemy fled from him. And so verse 13 of Luke 4, it says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So the enemy departed from Jesus as he resisted. How did he resist? He resisted through the word of God. So we're going to talk practically tonight, pretty quickly, four ways to fight, four ways to engage in this uh, spiritual battle to fight to resist uh, the enemy. So let's jump over to Ephesians 6 and look at verse 10 and 11. Paul is writing from prison to the church of Ephesus, and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So as we learn to fight, first we have to hear the call. And I was challenged by this the last few days as I was praying and reading over this section of scripture that God is calling me to fight that he's calling me to engage in this spiritual battle. And has there been a, a call for help that you responded to? Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden somebody needed your help and you didn't plan to be there, but the call came for you and it was on your watch? You responded to that call. And God here from his word, he's giving us a command through the Holy Spirit, through the apostle Paul saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. In the context of this spiritual battle, God wants us to be strong, not in our own strength, but the power of, of his might. I think this is really applicable for the days that we're living in where we do see such a spiritual battle, where we do live in the midst of a, of a dark culture. God's not asking us to cower. He's not asking us to live in fear. He's not asking us to be in this place of uncertainty. He's saying, I want you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Historically, we know that Ephesus was a very wicked city. Right off of the Mediterranean, modern-day Turkey, amazing ruins that you can go through. There was mass sexual sin, mass idolatry, a lot of things that we see common in our culture today. Satan was at work, but God's call to the church of Ephesus is be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And how to be able to do that is to put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The means to being strong in the Lord is the armor of God. How to be able to use the armor of God in the midst of this battle that God has calling to. Are you tired of getting tricked by Satan's lies, right? Are you tired of living by lies? Are you at a place where you're saying, I want to live by truth. I want to start to see victory in my life instead of being in this place of defeat. And it comes to putting on God's armor. Another way to think of this is to use God's armor. If you're in a fight and you don't use your armor, how foolish, right? 
So if you're a soldier and you're going to go out to battle and you're not going to use the armor that you've been provided, that doesn't seem very wise. But yet, for us as Christians, as we're in this spiritual battle, sometimes we neglect to use the armor that God has given to us. So verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of darkness in heavenly places. As we learn to fight, number two, we have to understand the battle. We have to understand the battle. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If you're having a conflict with your spouse, ultimately, you're not wrestling with them. There's a spiritual element that's there, and Satan would love for you and your spouse to be fighting. If you're locking horns with your teenager, there's something more that's happening. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. There's a a spiritual component that is taking place. I'm really slow to wake up to this spiritual battle. I oftentimes just think of things in practical terms. My dad was an engineer. He, he raised us with this intellectual reasoning type of mindset. And so it's like, okay, I just go to the practical and I neglect to see the spiritual battle that is taking place. Now, balance this out. Not every problem in life is because of the spiritual battle. If you catch a cold, you caught a cold, right? But for us to be open to understand the battle, well, what's really taking place in our culture? What's really taking place in our city? It's this battle that's happening between God and Satan. And for us to enter into the battle, if we're learning to fight, we have to fight spiritually, not physically. It's a spiritual fight that we face. We see this a couple times in scripture, if you're taking notes. 2 Kings 6, Elisha's servant his eyes are opened. They're outnumbered. The enemy's coming against them. And Elisha's like, relax. There's more with us than are with them. Elisha's sure, servant saying, I'm not a mathematician, but sure seems like we're outnumbered. There's only two of us. Elisha prays. God opens his eyes and he's allowed to see into the spiritual realm where all of these angels are there and the victory has won. Thankfully so, I think God in his wisdom hasn't allowed us to see into this spiritual reality, but there's angels and there's demons and there's this conflict that is taking place. In Daniel 10, it's really interesting, is Daniel prays and there's not an answer for 21 days. Then when Michael, the archangel comes, he wrestled with the prince of Persia for 21 days. For 21 days before he could come and give this message to Daniel. So there seemed to be this demonic entity over Persia, modern day Iran. If you know Iran's history in that area of the world, there seems to be a unique spiritual battle that's taking place. Different communities seem to struggle in different aspects of darkness in this spiritual realm. So we don't get freaked out about this. But we have to use the spiritual tools that God has given us to engage in the spiritual battle. Understand that it is spiritual. Understand that it's over hearts and minds for people to know Christ as their Savior. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Use your armor, number three. So as we learn to fight, 
we want to take up the whole armor of God. There's this emphasis of all. God wants us to be familiar with the armor, familiar with how to be able to use it. We live in this amazing military community with a lot of humble men and women. And then sometimes when I'm watching documentaries on special forces, I'm like, we have got some really tough people right here in Colorado Springs. Like we've got some warriors that do some amazing things throughout our, our country, and they have devoted their life to training to be able to step up as a soldier in that appropriate time. And spiritually for us, we, we want to be familiar with the armor of God. We want to know the helmet of salvation and how to use it. We want to know what the breastplate of righteousness is and how uh, to use it. So in this aspect of putting on the armor, it's really using the armor that God has given to us. So we're going to quickly go through the armor in verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So you just see this emphasis in scripture, like stand, like resist, like fight, like be strong in the Lord, stand. Do everything to stand against the lies of the enemy. And the foundation is having girded your waist with truth. Have you seen police officers in our community, the belts that they have? They're impressive, right? And all of these different things that hang off of their belt. One of my friends, uh, he's a police officer here in the city. And I was out doing some stuff in my yard. And I see this police SUV come up in front of the house. And I'm like, what did I do? You know? And I didn't have my glasses on. And I looked a little bit closer. And it was my friend. And he stopped by to say hi and just check on things. Maybe make sure I was still obeying the law. I'm not sure. But... He was showing us like all of his gear and, you know, we were into it as a family and especially Wyatt, like, this is, this is amazing. And I just kept looking at his belt. I was like, man, this is a, this is an amazing belt and all of the different tools that are on, on the belt. Well, what if you don't have a solid belt? Paul is looking at Roman soldiers while he's in prison and he's looking at their belts and the sword that would hang from their belts. And he says, this is truth. This is truth. So for us, when it comes to the armor of God and being able to come against the schemes of the enemy, it is the belt of truth, knowing the truth of scripture, knowing who Jesus is. When the lies of Satan come to us, there needs to be a warning inside of us that says, that's not right. Amen. That's not right. That doesn't line up with who Jesus is. That doesn't line up with what I'm taught in God's word. And God's word is a faithful foundation to be able to stand against the enemy. We touched a little bit on this on Sunday. I want to just remind you of this this evening. Is please don't believe the lie that you can't understand the Bible. You can understand the Bible. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Read it. Study. Pray that God would give you an appetite. You got to know the truth especially in the days that we live in. You've got to know the truth. The truth is our belt. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, think about soldiers, think about police officers, their bulletproof vests that, that they wear. What do those breastplates do? It protects the vital organs. Roman soldiers had breastplates that would protect their, their vital organs. The breastplate of righteousness is whose righteousness? 
It's Jesus' righteousness, absolutely. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ that's given to us that we're able to hold on to where we say the enemy's attacking, the enemy's telling me that I've gone too far, that I'm no longer the child of God, but wait a second, I'm robed in Christ's righteousness, amen? And that protects our heart. If we're not relying upon Christ's righteousness, we're gonna be in a place of either pride or condemnation. We're doing well, we're prideful, we want people to notice how great we're doing, and we fail, we fall, we're in this place of condemnation, but when we stand in Christ's righteousness, it protects us from pride, because we know it's Jesus, not ourselves. When we stand in Christ's righteousness, it protects us from condemnation, because we know we're forgiven in Christ. We've gotta know our position in Christ. We've gotta know who we are in Jesus that we're robed in Christ's righteousness and we wear that breastplate of righteousness and it protects our vital organs. Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I love this. You're really only as good as the shoes that you're wearing right now, especially if you're going to battle. Like if you're going to fight in a war, you gotta have some pretty good shoes. Army surplus store, you can go pick up some army boots for a pretty good price and they're sturdy. They'll probably outlive you, right? You might have some army equipment from a dad or a grandpa, and it just keeps getting passed on and, and, and passed on. You probably wouldn't do too well in a war with your flip-flops, right? Probably not the best thing to, to wear. And for us in this spiritual battle, catch this, we have the preparation of the gospel of peace. Every step we take is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every step that we take is that we know we're loved by God. We know that we're one cl foot closer to going home to be with the Lord, but we also know that those around us are loved by God, and we need to be reminded about that. But what is this preparation of the gospel of peace? There's a little bit of preparation that goes into putting your shoes on, putting, putting your sandals on. And sometimes this ever happened to you, it's like, where'd my shoes go? I... I, that happens to me, like, because I don't put them away in the appropriate place. It's like, I'm looking for this pair of shoes, and I can't find this, this pair of shoes, and I misplace them some random weird place in the, in the house. We want to go into each day and put on the gospel of peace. Everywhere that I put my feet, I know that I'm loved by God. And that brings peace into my heart and into my life. But also be prepared to share it. Be prepared to share it. We were spending some time together this morning, Rafa and Darwin and myself and the, the team, and talking about what is the church. And Revelation 2 tells us that the church is a golden lampstand. The purpose of the church is not just for us to get comfort from one another, though we do. But the purpose of the church is to shine bright into a lost and dying world that doesn't know Christ as their Savior. Sometimes I'll go to East Library, close to the church here, to study. Because right? it, it's quiet, there's free internet, I don't have to buy a cup of coffee to get to use the internet. I was pulling into the library about 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon to do some studying. And I'm in my minivan, and I just had this desire to share the gospel. And that was kind of strange for me. It's not, I wish that would happen more in my life. But I was just seeing people, and I was like, man, I, I want to tell people about Jesus. 
I want to tell them about, about the gospel. And I just quickly prayed, like, Lord, would you, would you give me a chance to, to share uh, the gospel? I get into the library kind of excited about the study time that I'm about ready to have. And they have these round tables, four chairs at the round table. And got my Bible and my computer and a couple of free newspapers. I'm going to try to find current events and, and illustrations. I'm there for like 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, I, I feel someone brush up against my, my left shoulder. Like they came into my personal space. And, and all of a sudden, the back of my hair just kind of stood up on the back of my neck. And I was like, this, this is strange. And here comes this guy in his early 20s, and he sits right down next to me. He broke all the cultural rules. <laughs> like I, I've been to the library a lot, and nobody ever sits at my table. Like... I, I would never imagine just like going up and sitting at someone's table at the library, even though there's four chairs in this, in this circle. And he gets out his phone and he uses the power source to start, you know, doing, charging his phone. And so I'm like, I'm not talking to you, I'm studying. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's just see where this goes. And I, I start talk, talking to this guy and I'm like, so what are you into? And what's life like for you? And he's like, well, I really like to rap. I'm like, well, what do you rap about? And he's like, well, I, I rap about religion. And I was like, praise the Lord. Like, <laughs> this is the chance to just go there in, in this young guy's life. And so we talked for about a, an hour and a half. And, and he's homeless and he's sharing his life story and a lot of heartache there. And just got to share, share, share the gospel with him. And I don't know where that'll go in his life, but man, it sure encouraged me. And there's a lot more people that are hungry for the gospel than we would realize. And another one of these lies that we believe, one is that we can't understand the Bible. Two is that people don't want to hear about Jesus. Satan would love for us to believe that. God doesn't use experts. He uses people that are willing. I bet you're a little bit fired up about what's happening in our culture and you probably don't like it. But have you shared the gospel recently with someone who doesn't know Jesus? That's where real change happens. We believe in the gospel. Do we believe it enough to share it? Do we believe it enough to allow God to wreck our timetables? We're all planned out in our calendars and we've got so much to do. And it's so easy to walk right past somebody who is lost. What I love about the life of Jesus is it records all of these one-on-one interactions that Jesus had with people. There's actually very little of his teachings in the sense of a long teaching. We have only a few of those, but we have all of these interactions of Jesus loving people. That's where really life change happens and, and takes place. Having your sheet, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. In verse 16, above all, take the shield of faith with which you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. The Roman soldiers had these amazing shields to protect from the fiery darts in ancient warfare, you would take your arrow, sometimes even catch it on fire and shoot it in at those that you were fighting and the shields would protect. Sometimes the Roman soldiers would put their shields together from these fiery darts that would come at them from the enemy. And what is our shield? It's faith. So Satan's gonna try to attack our faith. He's going to try to get us to doubt the goodness of God, doubt the character of God, doubt the faithfulness of God, to begin to feel hopeless. We see that in the temptation 
that Satan did with Jesus. If, if you are the son of God, trying to get him to doubt the father, doubt his, his identity. So through faith, trusting in who God is, that is going to protect us from the lies of the enemy. That's going to protect us from the fiery darts that he's going to throw at us and the doubts that he's going to, to put at us. So pay attention to our faith, our trust in the Lord. Is there an area of my life that I'm not trusting the Lord? Is there an area of my life that I'm walking in unbelief? We see the damage that took place in the nation of Israel when they were walking in unbelief. God says it's impossible to please him apart from faith. God puts a lot of importance on on faith. So if we're struggling in our faith, it's important to work through it. It's important to pray through it, to be honest with the Lord. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How is our faith built up? Through hearing the word. So spend time in God's word, hear it and listen to it. And that's that shield of faith. Lord, I trust you in the midst of this attack. I trust you in the midst of this, this challenge that, that's coming. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. How important is a helmet? Parents, how important is a helmet? When you have your kids go out and ride their bikes, it's a different generation now. Wear your helmet, right? Because we know the damage that happens with concussions. You see SWAT team, you see soldiers going into battle and combat, and they've got helmets. The, the Roman soldiers would wear helmets. It protects the, the brain. The battle is really won and lost in the mind. And that's why God calls us to take our thoughts captive and for our thoughts to be obedient to Christ, to be subject to Christ. So here it is. How do you win the battle of thoughts, the war of thoughts, is run your thoughts through the filter of salvation. Okay, I'm really discouraged by what's going on in the world today. Run that through the filter of salvation. This world is not all that there is. This is leading up to the greatest leader of all times that's not from the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or the Libertarian Party. It's Jesus himself that's going to return and rule and reign. Okay, I've just taken that thought and run it through salvation, right? I'm getting really discouraged about inflation. Things are costing a third more than they did just a, a few years ago. Well, how is your 401k doing in heaven? In heaven, the streets are paved with gold. So it's looking pretty good, right? So you run that thought through salvation. Man, I, I don't know if God forgives me. Here I have given in to this temptation. Again, run that through salvation. I know that God forgives me because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I cannot believe that this person did this to me. And they love the Lord and they proclaim Christ, but yet they've hurt me and they continue to come against me. No, I need to take that thought through the helmet of salvation. Jesus has died for that. Jesus loves them. They're my brother or sister in Christ. I'm forgiven, so I'm choosing to forgive them. Every thought, the helmet of salvation, I'm, I'm going through this life with a mindset of salvation. We gotta learn to fight. We've gotta learn to use what has been given to us. And then the sword of the spirit, this is the only offensive weapon that is given to us. 
It's not a giant sword, but it speaks of a, of a dagger. It's a specific scripture that's applied to a specific difficulty or temptation. It's everything that we saw in Matthew chapter 4. So it's been a few days since we gathered together on Saturday or Sunday. Have you sharpened up any Bible verses for difficult situations or temptations? Has there been any verses that God's put on your heart? Are you using any verses? Have, have we engaged with the, the sword of the Spirit? We're not going to win too many battles if we don't get the sword of the Spirit out. We're just going to continue to take one for the team. Like, I don't want to just take one to the team. God, God wants us to be victorious. So get God's word out and swing it both ways. It's double-edged. And the reason it's double-edged is so you can swing it both ways, Right? And allow the Lord to bring that victory as we hold on to the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. Can anybody go to the gym for you? No. Right? They can't go to the gym for you. Can anybody change your diet? No. You got to change your diet. Can anybody get into God's word for you? No. You got to get into God's word for yourself. Can anybody else use the sword of the spirit for you? Not to a very good degree. You got to learn it for yourself. Say, okay, God, I'm going to take exacting scriptures for exacting situations and temptations, and I'm going to use it because Satan hates the word, and our sinful flesh will yield to the word. Here's the last point in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this very end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, Paul's in prison, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Fourth thing, if we're going to learn to fight, is to pray always. Prayer is the oil that makes the armor of God work. One of our vehicles had a oil leak and just a slow oil leak, but you had to, I think we got it fixed, but you had to pay attention or you would run the car out of oil. So check in the oil now and then and just add a little bit of oil, especially as you got two or th 3,000 miles into a, an oil change. And it's very difficult for us to use and live and operate in the armor of God if we're not praying. It says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, allowing God's spirit to bring us into communion with God, to cry out to the Lord, to go to God himself, to ask for help in this spiritual battle, for asking help in being able to use the armor of God. We're not left alone in this battle. Jesus is with us and we have access to our faithful and merciful high priest. And through prayer, we're able to be watchful. Jesus encouraged us to, to be watchful in prayer lest we fall into temptation. And as we're in prayer, we're in perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So pray always. And the reason I wanted to read verse 19 and 20 is Paul is an example of what we are studying in Ephesians chapter 6. He is engaged in this spiritual battle. Because he's in the spiritual battle, it's resulted in him being in prison, and he doesn't pray to get out of prison. Instead, he says, I want boldness to speak as I ought as I'm in chains. Isn't that radical? That sounds like someone who understands the spiritual battle 
and understands there's more important things than his comfort, and he wants boldness to be able to speak that message. And I think that that's an important thing that we can be praying for one another, that God would give us boldness, that we wouldn't shrink back from the things that God has called us to. I'd sure appreciate you praying that for me and for our our pastoral team in this time that we live in, that God would give us love, that he'd give us courage, that he'd give us boldness, that God would bless us as a church, as a church family, to be able to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in these times that we live in. Would you say that you're fighting or you've been enjoying time on the couch spiritually? Would you say you're engaged in this spiritual battle or would you say, you know what, I've just kind of been letting it come to me? And it may be specific struggles in our lives, specific temptations, specific situations, but we've just accepted defeat. And we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we're saying, okay, Jesus resisted the enemy. The enemy fled. Jesus didn't give in to temptation. And he's here with us. We get to run to Jesus and rely upon his word. But if you're like me, what'll happen is time passes and there's really not change that happens in my heart and my life. I really don't apply the things that I'm hearing uh, from, from God's word. A week from now, a month from now, six months from now, I'm really not engaging in this spiritual battle any more than I was prior. And that's what we don't want. What we do want is that the Lord will allow us to be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. I really do believe it's an exciting time to be a Christian. There's a great possibility Christ could come back in our lifetime. We want to be found faithful. If he returns, we want to be found faithful. If he doesn't come back in our lifetime, we want to be found faithful, right? We don't have to be in fear. We can be close to the Lord and in humility saying, Lord, help me to use the armor that you have provided. Would you stand with me and let's pray together? Somehow I'm on time, somehow. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you that you're victorious, that you're the lion of the tribe of Judah. Lord, protect us from fear protect us from shame, protect us from condemnation and the lies of the enemy. We all struggle with different areas of sin that tend to cause us to be in defeat and we desire to walk in the victory that you've given us. Help us to hear the call, help us to understand the battle, help us to put on the armor and to pray always. Teach us to be able to stand. Jesus, as we spend time in communion tonight, would you minister to our hearts, would you encourage us In Jesus' name, amen.